troubled seas, the one who fed the thousands, whose words can calm the tempest, he's my bread of life, and he's my peace, I still serve.
to the room. It was about 9 o'clock, so I didn't get in here last night in time to hear, uh, get to the service here, your preaching, but I was getting my stuff unpacked, and a preacher friend of mine up in Maryland called me and said, are you in a meeting up in Columbus? I said, just got to my motel. He said, yes, I am. He said, well, I listened to Brother Tony and Brother Johnson said, they, he said, preach the house down. And I said, I said, well, let me tell you something. I said, I've heard them both before, and they always do. I said, they do that all the time. So you're, you're blessed to have had Brother Johnson and Brother Tony here uh, last night, and Brother Johnson still be here with us. And then Brother Smell, I understand, Brother uh, Bell said did a tremendous job Sunday. So I'm so glad you didn't have a good preaching. And it's good to see you and be back in this place uh, with my good friend. I love Brother Bell and love him. And been like he's told you, been friends with him for a lot of years. And I don't remember what year that would have been that I met him down there in Longview, but it's been a long time. moving so fast for me, and uh, it's unbelievable uh, how fast time's moving and how fast time's gone uh, in ministry. I was thanking God this morning for saving me and for calling me to preach, and uh, in the fall of saved in 69, I worked a secular job and uh, all of that was faithful to church, but sold in 11. But really, it seemed like about 1979 when God really started dealing with me about preaching. And I probably, really honestly, Brother Ben, should have took on Kimberly Street and been Bible College. That's what I should have done, but I honestly, I didn't have enough sense to know I needed to do it. assistant pastor in Lone Rock Highway. I did a lot of, lot of lay, back in them days, man, laymen was like staff people. You know, they'd work like horses. And I know you still got people preaching that said that way. Well, I wouldn't. And you know, the Lord called me. And I went to the preacher's office. You know, I knew how to go to school, so at least I was a distinctive me. what I'm going to tell you. 
I didn't have enough money when I started pastoring. This is God's truth. Brother Bell, I'll tell that sin. I'm going to tell you. When I was there in Poland, pastoring, I wanted to go to the sword conference in Chattanooga, Highland Park. said, you're going to a meeting tomorrow in Chattanooga. I said, that's right. What are you taking? I said, I want Dodge. He laughed. He said, preacher, you won't get a tobacco. He said, that thing, he said, I'm not trying to be down on the carpet. He said, that thing wasn't made in Chattanooga. No. And I said, well, that's what I got. No, it ain't. I got a brand new Lincoln Town car and you're taking it. Now, I mean, it didn't have an extra mile on it. Oh, I said, Brother Wood, Mr. Wood, I said, I'm, I'm scared to death of driving, afraid of having a scratch on it. I said, I'm afraid if somebody run into it, they'll bump it. You ain't going to hurt it. Got insurance bumper to bumper on it. Scratch it, we'll fix it. That's the way it went. And he said, I'm going to tell you something else. I'll never come here again as long as I live. If you <laughs> so I, so I, preached, I preached that night at our church. And when I got home, it sat in my driveway with tea and full of candy. And my wife said, you, you reckon you ought to take that some candy? He said, you, you got to. <laughs> and so we had a car, but we barely had enough money for a hotel. Now let me just tell you, we barely had enough money for, for food and a hotel. And we got to Chattanooga. We checked in a place. Preacher, you remember this place. It's called the King's Lodge. It was there in Chattanooga. You remember that? Checked in there. Me and my wife were so excited. When we got to Highland Park, we were so early, Brother Johnson, that the lights wasn't even on in the building. It was open. The auditorium was dark. When we got there, somebody turned a little old dim light on up in the front. I mean, it was like over the choir or something. And we, and we got around that front row. We said that it was like a football fan going to the Super Bowl.
this water or something. And there was a boy that I led to Christ in Beckley. And David Grimm, who was a, went off to Tennessee Tech. He was a student. And he said, he said, man, what are you doing? I didn't know you was going to be here. I said, well, I didn't know if you really were. God bless you that way. God bless you. I feel good here. He said, where are you staying? I said, I just checked in a little bit ago to to Key Club. And he said, oh, man, he said, I need that. He said, I'm a man and and I want to hear what God's doing. Because that's his name, J.K. Whitworth. That's his dad, Whitworth. He said, when he got hired God, said, he made a phone call. One of those cell phones, remember, that the government phone call and called his name. Still, some John R. Rice books in print, but I'd say ninety percent of them don't work right. And probably ninety percent of them don't. I think you know I don't know how many there are. And and I bought every book and I went home. And when I this is the honest truth, when I pulled back in my driveway, we just <laughs> that Lincoln Town car. So, but God saved me and has led me all the way. He's took care of me. Tell him, take your Bible, turn to the book of Judges. This is this sermon, brother, man, is so elementary. It's so pitiful as far as content. If you come today, now, but you're going to hear a preacher in a minute. Here's just something God give me, Brother Taylor. I preach it to my church. This right here is a kind of sermon, if you do it, might save your marriage. It may save a church split. It may save a friendship. So this one here is it's elementary, but it's vitally important. I am an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, King James, separated, soul-winning, bus-running, missionary-supporting, local church, independent Baptist. Now, make no bones about that. And I stand right, I stand right on issues and on standard soul-winning and all of it. So, you know, you ain't going to make me mad. You get up and preach as hard as you want to preach. I'm going to holler amen. And I do it. Matter of fact, I do it so hard sometimes that it doesn't really feel good. I do it. But this is not one of those sermons, but it is a hard sermon. It's harder than you think. This right here sometimes, there will be no shout. There'll be no holler. Because this right here sort of gets down to where I live and maybe some of you live. Judges 12. It said, and the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said to Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon and did not call us to go with thee? We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. 
Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were in great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, you delivered me not out of their hand. You know something what I don't understand? What I understand about this, there's a war going on and you don't know it? Why, didn't you, why do you need an invitation to come fight? If the United States goes to battle, if they start fighting, I'd have got an M1 rifle loaded. I'm telling you, China jumps in here. Now, and I told my wife that a few days ago, I said, got an M1 rifle sitting in here ready to go. She said, Daryl, it's going to be nuclear. I said, well, it, it better be if they plan to win because if they parachute in here, I'm going to take out as many as I can. They'll get me. And I, I ain't piddling. I'm not playing. And I don't need I don't need a uniform on to pull the trigger. And I said, I'll, I'll be knocking them out of there and fighting because I believe in America and I believe in the call. And I believe that we need to do it. Well, this bunch, they said, you didn't call us to the battle. We're upset about it, and we're going to burn your house down with you in it. That's what that says. But they didn't. They Where was they when the fight was going on? And he said in verse 3, And when I saw that you delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into mine hands. Wherefore then are you come up unto me this day to fight against me? He said, you wasn't, you wasn't there to help me. He said, why? You know, I had to go myself. I had to go fight. And Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said the Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites, among the, the Manassites. And the Gileadites took the passage of Jordan before the Ephraimites and it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, then said they unto him, Say, Now, Shibboleth, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Shibboleth, and he said, Shibboleth, if you look at the For he could not frame to pronounce it right. And they took him and slew him at the passage of Jordan. And there fell at that time of the Ephraimites 42,000. And Jephthah judged Israel six years, then died. Jephthah the Gileadite was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. Father, I pray you'll help me now just for a little bit to try to be an encouragement, try to be a help. And Lord, thank you for Brother Bell and, and these dear folks and, 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 and the makeup of Echo Baptist Church and this week they have and this meeting and thank you for Brother Johnson and Brother Tony and Brother Smell preaching Lord already and helping people. Lord please help me I'm the weakest of the weak please help me Lord Amen Now I think you can see you know this was back before Israel ever had kings, had judges and it was really not a good time either because the Bible said every man did that which was right in his own eyes so it wasn't really a good time. And this man, probably of all the judges, in some ways was the most unlikely. I mean, he just wasn't, he didn't fit anything. But let me, what a leader. What a great man. And he led him into battle. And by the way, he's dedicated to God. You remember when he asked for the victory, he said, Lord, if you'll let me win the victory, the first thing that comes out of the tent, I'll offer it up as an offering, sacrifice. And, and let me clear up something on that. You know, for a long time, and I didn't know, and, and, and I thought that, man, he offered up his daughter's sacrifice to, to, to let her die. But that wasn't what it was. She, she never married. And that's what it was for a long time. And and that was, a, you know, a bad thing for the, for the, the young lady. And so, but anyhow, he won the battle, and then these... Ephraimites, they come up and and want to jump on and burn his house down with him. And uh, so they, uh, down in verse 5, said the Gileites took the passages of Jordan, the 
for Ephraimites, and it was so that when the Ephraimites, which escaped, let, let, he said, let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, art thou an Ephraimite? Some of them tried to slip back in under the sky. He said, if he said nay, he said, ask them when they're trying to get back in here, can they pronounce the word shibboleth? And this man said, can you say it? He said, I can. Shibboleth. And the Bible said they slew him. And not only him, but 42,000 died. It said because they could not frame to pronounce it right. Now I'm going to tell you what's killing homes, churches, a nation, organization, businesses, relationships, everything else is because of what people cannot pronounce right. I'm going to give you some horrible words I'm talking about to pronounce that people have a real, real, real hard time with. I mean, it's really tough. Now, let me say this. In the Old Testament, I probably myself have butchered. I'd have been dead a long time ago if they said to me, would you pronounce some of these names? I'd just say, look, man, get you you 38, leave me out there, blow my brains out, just do it in the back of my head so I'm going to have to watch it. I can't pronounce that word. And if they say, well, I'll say it for you, you say it. I still can't say it. I remember Dr. Seitler one time was preaching, and and Dr. Seitler, he said, uh, he was preaching on Mephibosheth, you know. He had that famous sermon, Mephibosheth. He said, I think I'm pronouncing that right. And he said, it's one of those impossible Hebrew words. I remember him saying that name. And he said, one time, he said, I was preaching, and he said, I was preaching out of Luke, and he said, I got to the to the sea, uh, the word, the sea of Gennesaret. And Dr. Scheitler said, I, for the life of me, I knew before I got to it, I could not pronounce that word Gennesaret. And then Dr. Scheitler said, I don't know why Luke would just not put Galilee. <laughs> well, I don't know either, but the Lord put it in there. Well, some of the words and names of people, I can't frame to pronounce it right. Well, I thank God that so far it hadn't gotten me killed. But there are some things that if you cannot say, it gets killed. It's going to kill somebody. I want to give you some things some words, statements that you better learn how to pronounce. The first one is this. Everybody ready? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, I wonder how many times if a, if a man would have just said to his wife, I know I've done you I know I didn't do right. But I do want to say to you with all of my heart, I'm sorry. I guarantee you, Brother Bell, wouldn't have saved them all. Wouldn't have saved all of them. Would have saved a bunch of them. I wonder how many times that somebody left a church that wouldn't have had to leave, they got mad at somebody, if they'd have just went and said, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wonder if somebody wouldn't have just hung around and stayed. I'm sorry. It could save church splitting, save divorce. There's friends. I know preachers, at least I got a preacher buddy, that both of them right down the line believe the same thing. Doctrine, dress standard. Because sometimes they didn't agree on something, they fell out with the other one. And you know, if a man sometimes, now I'm not going to apologize for what I believe doctrinally, and I'm not going to apologize to somebody for standards and conventions. 
I'm not going to get up and preach a sermon and then get up and apologize for what I said. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to apologize for that. But let me tell you something, though. There has been some times when I've had to say, I'm sorry. Now, boy, I'll tell you what. It's tough. You say, can you pronounce it? The problem ain't really in the pronunciation. The problem is the pride. And listen to this. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. Let me tell you, it'll stop every fight. It ain't worth the fight. You know, sometimes out here on the highway, especially I've got older, listen, I don't drive fast. I was trading cars yesterday. As a matter of fact, I didn't get to drive back from Joseph home. I had to come pitch play. I was in this showroom where they was doing their business and it was a, one of these Dodge uh, Challenger I guess that's what it was with they said it had a Hellfire or Hellcat or some motor 700 some horsepower and one of my deacons got with me and said you got some good right there <laughs> I said you think and he looked at me and he said yeah when you turn 80 we're going to get you one I said, that's about when I'm going to need it, I think, Brother John, about when I get 80 years old. But you know something? I got to think, I said, that's about what I need to keep up with traffic. And, but here's what it is. Sometimes you're not driving fast enough, and somebody will go around you, and they'll either horn cuss you or literally cuss you. Now watch that. And you know what you think? Bothers the sons of God. It ain't worth fighting. It ain't worth fighting. It ain't worth fighting. I saw here, probably a year ago, where a man, two men on the highway, for some reason, got in a, one cut the other off, something like that happened, something that made one of them mad, the other got mad. This one man had his wife with him, a baby, and both of them did. This man followed this other man all the way to his house, all the way to his house. They were so mad. When that man pulled up in his driveway, he took a 357 Magnum with his wife on his arm begging him, begging him. Jumps out, takes a 357, and kills a man who he don't know because the guy cut him off. Brother, let me tell you, when really the man always said, you know what, I hate that I did get into that in front of this man. I hate I did. It ain't worth, hey, it ain't worth dying for. You know what? These, these Ephraimites probably ought to say, you know, I'm going to practice on that word, Shibboleth. I'm going to get to where I can say it. I might not speak exactly all their language, but I'm going to get that down because that's the password. Can I tell you, the password many times is, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Uh, years ago, I was preaching a meeting. I was preaching a meeting, and I, I, I won't go much longer. I was preaching a meeting in Greenville, South Carolina, for Dr. Jerry Clark. Many, many years ago, 25, 30 years ago. And I was on my knees in the motel praying before I went. And I said, Lord, if there's anybody in this world that I need to make anything right with, anything I need to do, you show me. And listen, immediately, face came to my mind. I didn't pray another word. I got up off of my knees. Back in them days, there wasn't no cell phones. Wasn't no cell phones. I called my church. I got a hold of the secretary. I said, I don't even know really what town this man's lived in. He ain't member of my church no more. But he lives in a distant state. Can you get a hold of And I said, these people will know probably where they're at. And get me a phone number. She called me back, said, got his number. I dialed his number. Hadn't talked to him in several years. I said, hey, brother, this is so-and-so, brother Tom. Hey, brother Tom. I said, well, I said, well, I'll tell you. I said, I'm down here in a motel room getting ready to go preach for Dr. Clark. And I'm trying to be as right with God as I possibly be. And brother, you know me and you didn't part ways on the best company. 
I just want to call you and say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, he said, you don't owe me no apology. He said, if anybody ought to be made, don't tell it should be me. Brother, he said, I've thought about it many times and never done it. I've, 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 I have thought about it, never done it. Listen to me. That phone call, here's what it did, Brother Man. I don't know how many meetings I've preached for that man. He's a pastor now. I don't know how many revivals I've held for him, maybe one. He's preached for me. I've supported him. I've helped him with different things he's done. And now, if he needs some counsel, like last Saturday, he'll call me and say, hey, what would you do about this? What would you think you would do about that? I'm going to let it go now. And you know something? I don't know if i got a better friend in here that day. But it was because I had to swallow pride and learn to pronounce something I was having a hard time with. You say, what did it do? Saved the friendship. Hey, by the way, it, it, it saved leaving the hand of God on me. I believe this. If I'd have said, no, I ain't doing that. I believe I'd have went out there and preached that night, but I really do believe that the hand of God would have not been with me or on me because God specifically pointed that out and said, go do that. He showed me. You know something? Jacob, finally in the 33rd chapter of Genesis, said to Esau, I'm sorry. But there had to be a 32nd chapter where he run into God on his knee in a wrestling match. And his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. Am I telling this right? And you know something? What we need, some of us need a good wrestling match so we can learn to pronounce things right. We need to meet God somewhere and get some stuff straightened out. I'm for fighting the liquor traffic. I'm for fighting the dope traffic and the, uh, the, the homosexuality and the transgender junk and all the, and, the, and the liquor drinking and the boozing it up and the cussing and the lying and the stealing and the rock music. I'm for blasting. Listen to me. I'm for all of it. I'm for ladies dressing right and men looking like men. Hey, I'm for every bit of that. Let me tell you something else. I'm also for pronouncing things. Like, I'm sorry. I, I, I ain't going to go long here, but look right here. Let me give you another one. The next thing is this, and I, I'm about to close. The next one, you pronounce this one. Here we go. It's my fault. Hey, do you remember when Joseph got in prison and he was in there, and you remember he, Joseph interpreted the dream for the butler and the baker, and he told the baker, the king's going to hang you in three days from now. But Butler, you're going back to work. You're going to be reinstated in your job. You're going back to work. And the, the Butler was happy. He said, hey, he said, when I get out of here, I'm going to remember you. And I'm going to say a good word for you. But listen, preacher, I don't know exactly how long it was, but the Butler, it says, forgot him. He forgot Joseph. He's sitting there for months, years. I don't know how long. But one day, the Pharaoh had a dream, the king, and couldn't make heads or tails out of it, brought in his astrologers and soothsayers and all that crowd. They tried. They couldn't do a thing with it. And the butler said this, I do remember my fault this day. Man, I'm reminded of my fault. He said, you got a man down there in the prison that one day I needed, I had a dream too, and he interpreted it for me. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God's in him. If you'll bring him out of here, he'll help you. And old Joseph stood before the king because a man said, sugary. He framed to pronounce it right. It was not Joseph's fault. It was my fault. I told Joseph that I would remember him, and I forgot him, and I remember my fault, my fault, my fault. You know, once in a while, you might ought to just, oh, that was my fault. You know something I've had to do? I've had to get up a few times and apologize to my church. I said, folks, this is right here. It didn't turn out good. And look, 
I get a lot of crap around here that's not good to eat, but I taste the bread. This is what, and you know something, I'm being honest with you. Honestly, this is what I think. I believe sometimes national leaders mess up. If they get up and say, look, folks, this thing has not went good here. Food's higher than it's ever been. Gas higher than it's ever been. We messed up. We left Iraq or uh, uh, Afghanistan over there. We left all that equipment, left all the people, left all that. I've made so many messes that there are too many to number. Folks, look, first thing I'm going to say, I'm sorry about everything I've done. And I, and I take the blame. It's my fault. Ain't no use blaming Congress. No use blame me. I did it. You know, I don't care who he is. Democrat, Republican, what he is. If he did that, his rating would go up because people say, you know what, that guy, he admitted it's his fault. He ain't putting the blame on nobody else. He admitted it was his fault. And you know something? It's just sometimes when you got to say, hey, it was my fault. I take the blame. Amen? Amen. Hey, listen, then here's another. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. It was my fault, my wrong, my bad. Please forgive me. Hey, you know what? Joseph's brothers, when they, they were revealed, and Joseph knew who they were. He finally, he couldn't take it anymore. That 45th chapter of Genesis, he said, I'm Joseph. Boy, it got quiet. And then they went and got his dad and brought his dad down. Remember that? And all the family. They all got there. Well, Joseph, I mean, his dad didn't live long. He didn't live too long. And when he died, his brothers, Brother Bell said, well, boys, look, it's over now. Daddy's dead, and I'm telling you, he's going to remember what we've done. But you know what he did? In the, and I ain't going to turn on you and read all But in the 50th chapter of Genesis, shut up, what a great man. You know what he said? Oh, he said, y'all meant that for bad. But the Lord God meant it for good. He said, and as he said, and God sent me before you to preserve life as it is this day to save much people alive. God sent me down here so our country can live and my family can live. Oh, he said, don't blame yourself. Don't blame yourself. Hey, you know something? Folks, I'm just being honest with you. It saved a lot of splitting and fighting with each other. I'm talking about in our church. Look, I don't know if you know this or not. Buddy, we're not big enough to just let everybody out. Once in a while, if I can save you from leaving, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you from leaving my church, except I'm not going to compromise. And I don't understand why they do it, but I see why they do it. I see why some of these preachers sometimes, they get a bunch of people that's going to leave, Brother Bell, so they say, oh, I can, I, I, we can't do that. So they give over and they start moving. That's the worst thing you can do. Now, I'm not going to do that. I've had them leave. Man, I've, had, I've had people leave before. Big money people, givers, huge. I've had workers. But look here. If there's any way that I can take the blame, if there's any way I can take the blame for something I did, if I can, and and if I can, and if I can say I'm sorry, I'll do that. And if there's any way I could say, please forgive me, I'm not going to do that over my doctrine, and I'm not going to do that over my standards and convictions. I'm not doing that. But if it's something that I personally, that it was me personally, I messed up. I'm willing to say I messed up. Let me give you one. One more or so, and I'll be done. This will really help. Hard to pronounce. Hard to pronounce this, but these words would help. I love you. Oh, it's hard to say. Well, I just don't tell nobody I love you. Well, there's something wrong with that. You've been around somebody. Maybe it's. Hey, if I understand anything about the Bible, 
I'm just going to rub the dirt. And by the way, God didn't make everybody alike. And thank God that he didn't. He didn't make us all alike. There's sometimes people does, in my opinion, weird stuff. And sometimes things happen. God can't take care of it. But you know what? This pastor wants to let you know. Try to help him. Do everything you can. But you know something? You ought to tell family members you love them. I mean, what I'm saying. And, and my family's not, not a close-knit family. I'm talking about my brothers and, and uh, aunts and uncles and all of that. My, my dad in later years. I, I, I don't remember when I was a kid much. My dad ever saying he loved us. But when we got to be grown, my dad, and by the way, after he got saved, after he got saved, he'd tell us he loved us. My mother, every time I talked to her on the phone, didn't really hang up. She always says, I love you. My son, I'll say this, my son always, always, every time, talked to me about how I love you today, Dad. I love you. So, and, and, and that's not a bad thing, because let me tell you what. You don't know, Brother Bell, when the last time, oh, you wish you'd learned how to say that. Tell you this story, and I'm through. I remember Dr. Hiles one time said that he had a teenage boy in his church at First Baptist in Hammond. It's been many, many, many years ago. That was spoiled. I mean, Dad and Mom gave him everything in the world. He got 16. They bought him a brand new car. They just had everything. And one night, something happened at the house. This whole family went to First Baptist. Something happened in the house. This boy and his daddy got in a fuss. And it got heated. And the boy screamed at his daddy. Now, if I'd ever screamed at mine, would have never got out of the house. I mean, I was raised old school to where, hey, you didn't say nothing about your dad and mom. And it wasn't, and, and really, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to. But, if I had of, listen, I'm telling you. And he didn't, he didn't care less about the police department or the, the he, he'd think about that after you're dead. It, it wasn't no, wasn't no, you know, wasn't no, I mean, he, he got you and then we're going to find out what we're going to do. But this boy screamed at his daddy. Here's what he said, going out the door. I hate you, and I hope you die to your daddy. He ran down the stairs, out the driveway, jumped in the car that his daddy bought him, screamed out, and went and spent the night with a friend, didn't tell nobody where he's even at. The dad got so upset that night, had a massive heart attack. tried to find this boy. They didn't even know where he was at. They didn't want to stay there. To tell him his daddy was down in the ICU. They got a hold of Brother Hiles and he went to the hospital and said when he got in there, he said that daddy was laying on a table. He's already gone. He's already gone. The wife was there and she was bawling and squalling and I think his sister. And Brother Hiles said, where's he talking? seen him. She said, he, and then she told him about the fights that he left last night. Last thing he said to his daddy, I hate you and I hope you die. Somebody got a hold of him. Told him his dad was at the hospital when he came out. Brother Howell said he was in that room, Brother Bell, when that boy come in that room. And he said, Brother Man, that that boy jumped up on the table and straddled his daddy, pulled the sheet back and took his arm and said, Daddy, I'm so sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. He was screaming, screaming. So you could hear him all over that hospital screaming. Daddy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it, Daddy. Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it, Daddy. I didn't mean it. I didn't really want you to die, Daddy. I love you, Daddy. He said he was kissing his daddy, kissing his daddy. He said, Daddy, please, you can go. 
but it's smooth because the boy could not frame that word before. I wonder who would like Shadow. You know, once in a while, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know, I'll just, and I got to work on that. I just forget sometimes. And I'll say, you know, so and so is doing a great job here at the church with this. I sure am proud of you. You say, but how do you know? You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. For somebody, just tell somebody. Here at one time, some people sad to say, I wonder what word that you had a hard time saying. Now you say, Pastor, I never heard no preacher say nothing like you. You know what? I do like that. I like that. But I'll tell you what it might do. It just might. It just might save a marriage. It just might save a suicide. It might save a church from a split. It may save a pastor from resigning. You know, if once in a while, I remember, I remember Pastor Ray said, Pastor, I need you to do something. Sure, what is it, Pastor? God ain't going to do anything with you. That's what you need to do. He said, it ain't anything. It may shock you. It may shock you what that'll do. I don't know how many Sundays or nights that I went to my study after I preached sit down and think I'd fail. Maybe a little hurt in the door. It may be one of my good good nights. But he said, hey, give this your hand. I'd love for you to you come talk to me. And help me. Don't you know it helps our faith. Brother, that right there, Brother Johnson. Sometimes just that. I said, you know what? Man, that's, you got to stick with but you know what kept me going? Somebody framed to pronounce a word that's hard to say. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the dear pastor.